Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I've been told it's time to ramp up my DFS recruiting on this podcast because I mentioned it the last couple of days, but I sort of throw it in the middle of some other promo. So today you get top billing DFS recruits. Come on in. Work on our DFS operation, and you get access to all of our premium goods here at Sports Ethos. There. I've even thrown a delightful little candy at the front end of the podcast. It's like a Werther's original, though, you know, old man show. Happy Thursday, everybody. October the 13th. Five days from the start of the NBA season. Off-season episode number 134, and it's a good one today. We got the great Josh Lloyd on the show coming up in just a couple of minutes. He actually breaks some news that broke yesterday when we recorded the segment, but I actually haven't seen it talked about a ton. So it's like kind of semi-breaking still this morning. Uh, We'll also go through some of Josh's picks from the industry mock, and it's been a couple weeks now, but also... Uh, other targets that he was looking at, as well as what to do in the second round. Everybody has a little bit of a different take on this, and it's kind of fun to see how the different analysts are approaching uh, a difficult part of that, of the draft. And it really is like no one's given the exact same answer yet, which is very cool, actually. Also very confusing for what we should actually do in that spot. But at the same time, it shows how a lot of extremely sharp people can win at fantasy and have slightly, not like, you know, not polar opposite necessarily, but just like little tweaks on strategies that all play out and all sometimes work, sometimes don't. I don't know. I like it. I like that part of fantasy basketball. There's no hard and fast way to do it. There's eight or nine different punt strategies you can use, more so in head-to-head than Roto, although, you know, we've soft-punted points before. There's draft strategy, there's positional scarcity, there's what order you take guys in. I don't know, I like all that stuff. You know I get, like, right into, when the season ends, we do a bunch of those theory episodes, lessons learned. Those are actually, they might be my favorite episodes to do all season because that's like when we write down what did we take away from this season how can we get better and then we put it all into practice right now so josh will guide us through some of that on uh, today's show coming up in a little bit um the rest of the week just to give you guys a preview we'll talk to Aaron brewski brew the big dog that's coming up on tomorrow's episode monday we'll drop the dan best old man squad But you guys have pretty much figured it out by listening to the show anyway. That'll be more like putting it all in one place. Tuesday, that's all season prep day. And then we're rolling. That's how close we are to the start of the NBA season. It's crazy. But look, you guys are not here to listen to me give you previews. You aren't here to listen to me talk about theory. You are here for today's guest. So let's just jump right on in. I wanted to do like a the Masters kind of thing here, a tradition unlike any other tradition, annual tradition, the great Josh Lloyd back on the pod to break down a little mock draft, but I got some extra questions for him. But first, Josh, good morning to you. And you well, how are you? 
I'm hanging in there. I'm a little beat up. This is a. Uh, I was talking to Doctor A earlier this week, and just like the grind of the preseason run up, you hanging in there? Okay, I'm kind of tired. Yeah, Dan, it's pretty. It's pretty exhausting to be honest. Um, I sort of, I sort of want the season to start, but then I know that that's also in, insane in terms of what's going on. But it's yeah. there's a lot that's uh, there's a lot that's happening at the moment, and just trying to get stuff uh, as squared away as possible. Yeah, and with the boards ever changing and Yahoo changing their various ranks, where you know, like a constant need to do mocks and figure out where guys are actually shifting on the board, and then lists come out and that moves the board, and it's just like I need a second to just balance myself. So you kind of have to like do a ton of prep right before your actual draft, and then try to remember some other stuff, some key nuggets in there, and at some point it all comes together. But uh, let's dive in. We're going to talk about the nine cat industry slow mock. By the way. Oh, I forgot to do this. You can, of course, follow Josh on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. He is the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. You guys likely knew that, but if you didn't, now you do. Um, rather than go through every pick of yours one by one, because there's a few that are just like, yeah, that obviously makes sense. Uh, I thought maybe we could pull more than half of it. I mean, it's still most of it, I guess. Uh, but just kind of go through and isolate a few of the interesting ones. And the first one, you had the fourth pick. Uh, so actually coming back in the second round, this was before injury news on Shea Gilgis-Alexander broke. But now the latest reports are that he might actually be ready to start the season. So where do you think he now ends up going? And is it like kind of day of your draft dependent at this point? Um... Uh, he's not going to go here. Like I think we're, we're, I picked him at 21 here and in a head to head category format, I, I wouldn't pick him at 21, but games cap Roto, which is what this draft was. Yeah. You know, I can deal with a few of those absences. I can get some strong. I felt confident in my ability to get some strong guys in my later rounds, bench guys that can slot in for him and Durant when they miss. Um, but he's going in the fourth round in nearly every draft and no one's going to change their mind on it. Cause they've just seen knee injury. Oh my God. We've seen Victor highlights. So he's going to play 20 games. And you get him in round four, like, and especially in a roto format, like that is that is unbelievable value. So you don't have to get him here. It's not going to even if they say he's ready for opening night. I don't think it's going to bump him back up. He's still going to go in the forties. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was wondering about that because, like, how much do people need to see to believe that he's back? Is do you think if they saw him play in a preseason game that would move it? But I don't. I don't Maybe. even know. Maybe I, I think if he, I think if he suited up in the preseason, I think you'll see that with like Keldon Johnson, who played in the preseason yesterday, where people were panicking. Oh no, his shoulder it's dislocated. He's going to miss all his time, and then and he's not going to miss any time. Um, I, I think that if he played, it might be, uh, it might change things. But if he doesn't, and they just say, well, he's questionable for opening night, then people will still be panicking, and you'll still get him you know, in the forties. I think he's ranked fifty eighth or something on Yahoo at the moment. Like that's. You know, Obviously, later than the 40s, that's pretty low value. Yeah, they moved him really far on that news, and they there's some other guys that they almost didn't move at all on even weirder news. But regardless, um, that's a really fun... Yeah, I love that strategy, especially for me. You know I play a lot of games cap Roto, so that's a guy you can kind of start to look for as someone who may have bounced a little bit too far in the wrong direction. Uh, yep. Your third-round pick, Rudy Gobert. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I was on your show last year, and I just kept talking about Rudy Gobert. Uh and you got him here in this season. Um, do you think this move, and I've, I've been kind of moving back and forth on this a little bit. I mean, he kind of just sort of is Rudy Gobert. Like, you put him in almost any situation, he's going to do Rudy Gobert stuff. But do you think he takes any kind of minutes hit in Minnesota? Um, you know, if he's on the floor, he's going to be getting the center stuff. But is there a world where he just can't play as much as he did in Utah? 
I don't see it. I don't see why you would trade everything a million a million draft <laughs> picks so that you can get Naz Reed out there or Torian Prince. Like what for? Um, I think you'll just do basically the exact same stuff. Now Towns is a pretty good rebounder, but I don't think that's going to impact Gobert. I honestly just think he's going to be the same. And if anything, there is a chance that if he plays with a guard who yeah wouldn't who actually sorry who would piss on him if he was on fire. Um, and would pass him the ball occasionally. Maybe there's an extra shot or two there. I don't know. Maybe maybe he can actually improve on what he did. I'm finding him going in the top 20 of most head-to-head drafts that I'm doing now. It's a really common thing with whoever gets Giannis or Luca in that first four or five right. picks. They're, they're just grabbing Gobert in round two. So you're not really finding him in round three or many spots. People are more scared in, in roto formats. But when my team was done here, I felt myself, I was pretty mid-pack in terms of free throw percentage. And I don't know if you have this idea, Dan, but to me, the more competitive, the more sharp the managers are in a roto league, you can actually have more success by, you don't have to be eights across the board or nines across the board in every category. You can get a three because of the competitiveness across the league and still win. Like, in fact, with this fake league that we did here, um, you're looking at my projected standings. I, I think Matt Smith came out on top and he had the worst turnovers and the second worst rebounds out of everybody. But, because everyone was is competitive and, and paying attention to things, that you can actually be a little bit worse in some categories in a competitive league. Yeah, you're not. I mean, that's the thing. You know, like in a in a strictly competitive format or uh, with good competition, you're not going to win every category. It's kind no. of why I end up a lot of times sort of backing into a soft punt points build in roto because you can kind of dominate a bunch of other categories if you flip the board on its head and you know, it goes the same way with a couple of other things you just really like it's really hard to do it if you were bad in more than one thing you can kind of be terrible at one but two in row makes it pretty tough um i'm gonna jump over your fourth and your fifth round guys because it was beal and rosier and there's sort of no argument to be made why not to do something there uh that's just like okay yeah that makes sense uh, and go straight to your guys where it's like, oh, these are more fun. Um, Kevin Porter, Jr. Fantrax didn't have the Jr. there, but we can add it. Um, in the sixth, late sixth, I think this is, I've lost track, 69, right, if I'm doing the math there? Uh, 69 is correct. <laughs> terrific. Um, so he ended last year looking quite a bit better. Was that part of what went into your calculus here? Yeah, like really. Like he, he was, we all hyped up or paid attention to Jalen Green with his, you know, five or six 30-point games in a row, whatever he did. But over that stretch, yeah, Kevin Porter was really good, and I'm pretty sure he was like the 55th or 60th best player post-All-Star break. He showed – he was a 39% three-point shooter all season, and we think of him, oh, he's a dreadful shooter. He actually shot all right. Like, he wasn't bad, and I think he was actually their best three-point shooter all season. And I, I think there is some scope for improvement in free throws, but, Dan, we know this. Like, if – there's just – it's hard to get – Big assist numbers from guys, and he doesn't have a challenger coming in to take minutes from him. We saw him and Jalen Green both score 20 last preseason game. They can do it together. We saw it last season. Um, I, I, and I'm not a Kevin Porter fan. I think he makes stupid decisions. I think I don't think he's a future star or even necessarily a future starting <laughs> player on a good team. I don't think that. But I, I don't, who cares? Like This team's not good. They're not going to the playoffs. There's no one to take his minutes. He's going to get opportunities. Oh, well. I can deal again. I can deal with the free throws because I had Durant. I've got Beal. Um, I had Rogier. Like, 
I got other good free throw guys later. I can balance them out a little bit, but getting those assists is, is pretty tough to do. Yeah, and I'll also point out too, in that stretch where he was around top 50, first of all, he was better than Jalen Green by ranking during that span. And second, no, he, he, was. He, uh, he was 44% from the field and he was close to 80 at the foul line. Mm-hmm. Now the question of whether mm-hmm. or not that's sustainable, that's a reasonable one to ask, but like yourself... Oh, probably isn't. Yeah, probably not. But I took a dump on him for most of last year also, but there was something there at the end that was a little bit encouraging. My follow-up question is, and I know sometimes you can make picks like this in an industry mock because it's fun, we get to talk about them. I'm assuming you probably don't need to grab him at 69 in most drafts. Well, every single mock draft that I do, because I tell people that I want to take him there, he goes there Like in, in, in every single mock draft. So basically... You, you do, need a burner. Every other... Yeah, every other host site has him ranked in the hundreds. So if you get him in the nineties, like there's the downside is absolutely nothing. Like it's it's nothing. And the upside is maybe he like yeah, pushes up against the edge of the top fifty. Like it's ridiculous to me that he would be down that low. Like a starting point guard with a thirty five minute upside with an upside of twenty points, five rebounds, seven assists. Like, okay, cool. Like oh, he's hundred and tenth because you know, maybe he's at below average at free throws. Like, no, I'll take that every day. Like, I, there's no way he should be outside the top 100 in my mind. I think we need to get you into some mocks on a, a burner. I, I don't know. Can we lost Joyd? Well, I, I can probably come up with something <laughs> better than that. Just to like, because I think, yeah, I think the last mock I did, he went at 94, which yeah. is probably about yeah, where sense. he goes when you're not in there and guys aren't trying to screw yep. with you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or that, that's the thing when I do my mock draft shows that, the people who are in there are people who are listening and following me. So they're like influenced by my opinions, which are wrong often and right sometimes as well. So they will go, oh, well, yeah, Josh has got good arguments here of why Kevin Porter should go in the 70s. So I'll take him in the 70s or 80s. So those values that if you're in a casual league or a home league, you can find him later on. It's like, you know, when Larry Markin consistently getting drafted outside the top 100, it makes no sense to me, but it's obviously happening enough that he's ADPs at 104 that you can get him later on. I just like to get him in the 70s. Yeah, makes total sense. And it's actually a really good argument to why a mock with... Actually, I I love doing these industry mocks because then you kind of get everybody's opinion in one place. And then it's really cool to see kind of the breakout mocks, like to see the results from yours, one that I might run that's going to lean more into this roto direction. And just what the... People uh, and frankly, the you know the roto the roto world uh, live draft, all the things that they put together, you just get all the different opinions and how it shapes the board. And if you kind of know what the people in your league are reading or listening to, you can have a pretty good idea of where guys are going to go in your actual draft. Uh, yeah. Nurk in the seventh, I believe, and I don't know if this is a running joke or not. Do you love Nurk a lot, or do your listeners love to torture you about loving Nurk? What's the what's the um, reality it- there? It's it's both, right? Like I, I know that he's a, a look if he's able to play thirty minutes a night, he is a really good fantasy player. Like he passes well. He used to block shots until they changed the defensive scheme last year. He can score. Like I think he's a really talented player. But I picked him here and I have just been told this is this is breaking news. It's not it's not actually breaking news, but I've been told that he is wildly out of shape again. Oh no. And and yeah, don't rely upon him for especially early in the season for anywhere close to big minutes. That is what I have been told literally about an hour ago. So I look, I went to, I was preparing to come on this show with you and we go, oh, I took him at 76, damn it. <laughs> like maybe I have to slide him back down because I, I really like him. Um, but I guess the thing is that the players behind him, you know, it's Olivier Saar and Drew Eubanks. So they're not going to be like, we're just outright benching Nurk. But 
I think it might be rough early in the season. That is what I've been told. And you're getting that as an exclusive here, Dan. It won't be an exclusive because I'll say it somewhere else, but that is what I've been told. Damn it. I wish this thing was airing sooner. (laughs) We're recording the day before. That's okay. I'll I'll put a little disclaimer in there. Um, I think the fear then, probably given that information, is could he play himself into an injury if he's out of shape again? Because that certainly has happened with him before. Yeah, that I guess that that is the, that is the risk. I'm not that worried. I'm more worried about the fact of him going out there and just being so tired that he can't get rebounds or the legs aren't there for shots and he's inefficient and he plays 24 minutes a night and he looks dreadful. That's yeah. that's my and you think what'll happen there? I think he'll play himself into shape because he he tends to do that, but it might be rough early on. Mm. Got to pop in in the middle of today's show to remind you guys that the Sports Ethos Draft Guide is available now over at sportsethos.com. And the Brewski 150 with targets as far as the eye can see available within the Draft Guide and the Fantasy Pass. Fantasy Pass, the crazy low rate of just $5.99 per month. B150 updated last night with top 50 targets that aren't even being drafted. This is a... Really a pretty awesome opportunity to just tidal wave right over the competition. Go to sportsethos.com, check out the Fantasy Pass and Draft Guide, and the B-150 right now. Kuz in the eighth round. Um, very polarizing opinions on Kyle Kuzma. I actually don't know if I know yours. It seems like you like him at least a little bit, enough to get get him here late eighth. Uh, I'll tell you what happened here with, with this one. Um, I don't think he's very good. Um <laughs> And I've said that for many, many years, but he did have a really big breakout towards the second half of last season. Of course, he was playing with nobody during that time, so we're expecting him to drop back off. But as something I talk about, and you probably noticed this, Dan, is that we talk about the scarcity of assists early on. Once you hit past round nine or 10, like good luck getting anyone who rebounds who doesn't kill you in every other category. I can get Stephen Adams with 10 rebounds. He can score four points and shoot 30% from the line. So that screws you over there. There is just no one who gets you even semi-decent rebounds in this round nine, 10 zone that doesn't just obliterate other categories. Like uh, JaVale McGee in his 20 minutes, like that's sick. Like what else is he going to do? Like finding someone who can score and rebound, which is what I wanted here. It's impossible. Like there's just no one who's really, really here. And this of course draft was done before the, uh, the big Santi Aldama breakout, which he might've been an interesting guy in the last round here, but Mm. I don't think Kuzma's particularly good. I just think that he's at least got a solid role. And even if he gives me 14 and eight, like it's that eight with some solid scoring that is useful for me. Is rebounding, is that the hardest category to find this year? It does seem like it's gotten a little bit tougher. I've heard blocks also, although I, I feel like you can squeeze those out if you're willing to take, like you said, the free throw hit. Yeah, the it's it, it varies. The points is always going to be the hardest because it's so concentrated in the top 15 guys or whatever it is. Um, and then assists, but rebounds have this big drop-off that there is like this run of rebounding or the last rebounding guys go in like round eight or nine and then it's it gets really rough like it's just a bunch of guards like oh do i want mike conley or boyan bogdanovich or bogdan bogdanovich or jalen suggs or cole anthony or markel fultz or you know those last 11 12 it's all just guards or it's these bad centers who play 25 minutes a night who get you know six boards with 30 percent shooting it's a shout out to mason Plumley. like that's there's not much <laughs> going on there with rebounds. So when you're at a draft, you haven't built your rebounds up and you hit to round 11, you look at you look over the board, you go, oh no, look, I'm in, I'm in real strife here. Yeah, you're cooked. You probably need to figure out who you can move in a trade from one of your earlier picks, hoping yeah. they're panning out. Uh, I know your ninth round pick is someone that you like a lot, and that's Chris Duarte uh, on the Pacers. Um, I've completely lost track. I think this is pick 100 on the nose, yeah? 
It Can is get... right on the nose. Hey, look at that. And this is, this is almost turning into a joke as well because, again, I don't like him. I don't think he's good. I think the Pacers wasted a lottery pick by taking a man who's two years away from retirement in that spot, and I thought that he was highly overrated in what he did last season. In saying all of that, he's going to play 30 minutes a night. He's going to get good shots. He gets some assists. He gets some steals. And at this point of the draft, I think his all-around contributions are really strong. I just don't think he's a particularly good player. And if this was sort of like look, trying to project out for two to three years in the future... I don't think that Duarte is a guy we're going to look at as a strong starting player, much like I don't with Kuzma or even with Kevin Porter. But for the current situation they're in and the value they bring at that spot, I do like getting Duarte in this spot. I think he's going to be more reliable than, say, his teammate Benedict Matherin, who I think is going to really hurt in a lot of categories. Um, but I don't think there's really huge amounts of upside in Duarte. I just think he's going to be strong across the board. Do you think the Pacers ultimately unload their veterans this year? Who knows, man? I, I, we're waiting for Miles Turner to be traded for three years. I <laughs> maybe even more. I've, he's been waiting just as long. I I do think that they will. I I, I highly doubt that Miles Turner on it is expiring. I can't see that he's there past February. Healed, different story. I thought Buddy Healed quietly was really good in Indiana last season. Like the best Buddy Healed we've ever seen. He was initiating offense. He was running pick and roll. He was averaging five assists per game. I don't know where it came from. He was really good, and everyone's in such a rush to to get rid of him. He was actually... Now, I know he's a million years old as well, but he was really good for them, so I'm less confident on him unless it has to come in a package with Turner. Turner surely is gone. There's mm. no way. So you, do you like Heald as an interesting late-round grab? I think he went actually too mad at the end of the round. Yeah, look, there's absolutely no reason if Buddy Heald stays in Indiana that he can't be top 60. He absolutely should be around that mark. The problem we have is, is was that little 20-game boost in assists real? Maybe. Was, or is he going to stay in Indiana? Because if he doesn't stay there, then the assists go away. Um, so that's why you're finding him slide towards that 100-type area. So there is some uncertainty there. But yeah, look, I, he is, has got a skill set which is maybe being undervalued at the moment, I think. You had Jalen Suggs in the... T- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll say, let's be honest. Who was watching Indiana in April last season? Only people who had Tyrese Halliburton on their fantasy yeah, team. That's exclusively that's it. They're like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> and everybody else is like, this is the worst basketball I've ever seen. Uh, yep. This was pre-Jalen Suggs injury. I assume he's not someone you're targeting in drafts anymore. Yeah, no, no way. Yeah. Um, like the, the the value of him was, was solid. Gary Harris was out. Markel Fultz was out. So it's going to be Anthony and Suggs, and they were going to have to play 30-plus minutes. And now... He might be back after yeah, Gary Harris and then work his way back in. I, I was, I'm still pretty bullish on Suggs improving significant, significantly from last season, but I'm not wasting a 10th round pick on him. Yeah, and, and then waiting it out. Your 11th actually has become a very, very popular one. I can't remember if this happened before the Jay Crowder stuff. No, I, it, was, it, was, uh, it, was before, yeah, it was before, but I did know that he was going to be the starter at this point, so I was waiting to get him, and yeah, he is... I think probably a top 100-ish sort of guy. I, I, you know, I wasn't confirmed, but I did know that he would start over Crowder. And um, is there any upside built in with Cam Johnson? I mean, it feels like there's a little bit there at the very least. It's hard to know exactly how much. What, where do you think he could maybe peak this year? Um, well, this is the thing, Dan, is that he put up some good numbers last season, but it was when like Booker was out or Paul was out and... Right. The numbers were great, right? But otherwise, and I say, I've said this on my podcast a million times, so I apologize for people who are listening to both shows here. When Monty Williams comes out and says, oh, we're going to change the offense, we're going to have you know, Cam Johnson running things. Like, my guy, if Devin Booker's out there or if Chris Paul's out there, if you ever decide I'm going to throw it to Cam Johnson to run a pick and roll, <laughs> just just literally take your tie off, 
go pack up your belongings and see you later. You couldn't be dumber. Like, this guy can barely dribble, and you're going to go, oh, we'll run the offense through Cam Johnson while Chris Paul sits over in the corner and, like, has a chat and steals some fans' popcorn. Like, my God, it's just not going to happen. Like, they can say it as much as you want, but if you're running an offense where Cam Johnson's the initiator and Chris Paul and Devin Booker are spot-up shooters, just give up. Like, I just... We hear it all the time. Like, we Toronto, yeah, Scotty Barnes is going to be our default point guard. Okay, cool. How's that looked in the preseason? Yeah, it hasn't not, happened. Not great. It, it just hasn't happened. Like, this, this, we hear this stuff all the time. Oh, yeah, we'll do a little bit more of this. You won't. Like, you just won't. Chris Paul won't ever actually allow it to happen, I'm pretty sure. I think Chris Paul's going to go out there and go, yeah, cool, I'm a spot-up wing now. Nah, it's, it's not going to happen. No. Yeah, that's madness. Uh and hey, we got to stop to give a quick shout out to our buddies over at Manscaped.com. They are with us now for the third consecutive season. That is pretty damn cool. Big thank you to Manscaped.com. Make sure to use promo code ETHOS20. I have been informed that both HoopBall20 and ETHOS20 will work to get you 20% off and free shipping on your order at Manscaped.com. The package... Wink, wink, nod, nod. The Platinum Package 4.0. That's the thing that you want to get right now. That's the big luxury full body grooming kit. It's got all sorts of goodies in it. And it is on sale without your coupon, without your coupon code. It's already being discounted by 42%. And you can knock another 20% and get free shipping off of that. So what's normally valued at $257, you can knock down uh, by about 60%. I think that comes down to 100 at the end of it all. So you get the lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, that's the ear and nose hair trimmer, 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner, body wash, deodorant, de- uh, deodorant for other parts of your body, sprays, uh, disposable shaving mats, a travel bag, which, by the way, that's a $40 value. They throw that in for free. Boxers. Those things are sweet, man. I've been asking for boxers forever. It's like the one thing the Manscaped is like, nah, nah, you got like, to buy the thing if you want those. So if you don't want them, you can send them to me. Just please don't use them first. I beg of you, please don't use them first. But go to Manscaped.com, use coupon code ETHOS20, get 20% off and free shipping on your order today. And thank you again to Manscaped for coming back for year number three. And then the last one was almost an homage to me, Kelly Olenek in the 12th. Um, this one, I think this is something you and I talked about actually over on your show, was this idea, at least in a Games Cap Roto, of can I squeeze some value out of a late pick early in a season? And I feel like he falls into that maybe bucket of, hey, look, like if he's starting and playing, we don't know how long it's going to last. We don't even know how many, how many minutes he might get at the outset. But it's worth a shot here because the rest of the guys going in the 12th round are either extremely low upside guys who have, I guess, a little bit of floor or like total, like closed eyes, throw a dart at the board kind of dudes. Like, Olenek will be a top 80 player if, as long as he's starting. I'm pretty confident, like depending on how much they play him. But 27 minutes and I Kelly Olenek, like that's really good. Like he is a very good fantasy player. He's really good for the development of other players as well because of his spacing ability. He can handle the ball. He can pass. He's not a stiff out there. He can move around. And that does help with you. Know, opening things up for marketing and for dry, the driving of Colin Sexton and to seeing what Jared Butler's got. And look, at some point, maybe Walker Kessler does take over. But, okay, at that point, who cares? Like, this is the 141st pick. I'm happy no to hear you say that, by the way, because you know I have a chateau on Olenek Island. Hey, look, we I know we all, like, get a little bit rigid thinking about what he did in Houston those couple of years ago. 
it's not going to be that level, <laughs> but I like, I know he I know he's solid enough that gets out there and. Yeah, part of my criticism with Dwayne Casey in Detroit, like you had a perfect guy to play alongside Cade Cunningham to help his development, but no, like we just won't really play him at all and we'll play other guys to make Cade, the guy that the best shooter on the team, be the only guy who can shoot in that lineup, like silliness. And if you're trying to develop and see what your Vanderbilt can do, like is Vanderbilt and Kessler together, like could you think of a more disgusting pairing to get like, imagine the spacing with that. Like it's just, that's not going to work. So I think Alinek just fits in so many different areas that, and he doesn't need thirty minutes, Dan, to be useful. No, I mean I, I I yelled about this for many years in Miami. The the months where he wasn't getting yanked around by Spolstra, he could just sort of waltz into top one hundred, and then you know, heaven forbid, he'd have a couple of weeks where they had confidence in him. There, he could go well beyond that. But yeah, like you said, you know, it's not going to be Houston Alinek. He's not going to have just carte blanche to fire. Uh, but he's still someone that I've been. <laughs> desperately hoping someone would actually utilize a little bit and then Detroit he was languishing were there any guys uh this is like the how do I cleverly ask you for other late round targets on a podcast move here were there any guys in this draft that maybe you were eyeing that didn't get to you well this draft was so long ago Dan that I'm gonna try and remember <laughs> what actually what actually happened um let's have a look and see who I that didn't get to me I thought Bones Highland went late Matt got him pretty late um, you don't really see him go in the 130s in many drafts. Yeah, that was surprising. Um, Tari Eason went at 140, which is he's going in round nine or ten of drafts now. People are getting a little bit maybe over head over their skis with him, but they're going pretty early on that. Um, yeah, I don't, no one, no one massively stands out. Like I've got a, a bunch of guys that are like taking late just to take flyers on and. Um, yeah, Aldama, who's the name I mentioned earlier, who we talk about, yeah, just give me some value early and then we'll, we'll see what happens later on in the season. But, like, that's a guy that if you grab in that last round and maybe for two months you get top 120 production, I don't know, and that might be useful enough. All right, I got to bug you about one more thing before I let you go. And I've been asking everybody this same general question, and the answers have been kind of across the board. There's no real consensus on it. And that's uh, sort of the early, mid-second round, which... You know, a month ago, it seemed like it was going to be, I don't, I don't want to say more fun necessarily, but different than the previous year. And somehow through clustering, it's ended up a lot like previous years where, you know, maybe it's like two to three picks later this time around that it happens, but you've got this run of extraordinarily risky, high upside, older dudes, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Kawhi and Roto, not so much in head-to-head. Paul George is mixed in there. Jimmy Butler, if you extend it to kind of early third. What do you do with that stretch? Do you just... Because I've had a couple of people tell me, you know what, I just jump right over those guys. I don't even pay attention to them. I've had others that have given very reasonable arguments for why any one of them should have a decent year. Where do you sit with that second-round dilemma? Because we're all kicking it around right now. I... Yeah, it is, it is a problem. I think there's a clear top 14, and I think they're all worthy of first-round picks, even including LeBron. I think Kyrie at 15 is probably the clear pick there to me, and I am, I'm not that as concerned about Kyrie as I am with, say, like even an Anthony Davis. I talked with Matt on my show a few months ago. We talked about Anthony Davis, and we used to say, "Well, if he stays healthy, he's got top two upside." I don't think he does anymore. I don't think Anthony Davis is that guy with that upside anymore. Rebounds drop every single year. Can't hit free throws, can't hit threes. I, I don't think, I think he can be 
better than he's been. I don't think he's got number one player in fantasy upside anymore. Um, whereas we literally saw Kyrie be like a top five player per game last year. So he's got upside. And I think uh, as crazy as it is, maybe a safer floor than someone like Davis and definitely like a Kawhi. It, it is a weird spot in the draft. I'm not just going to... Because people, you can you can play things ultra safe and go, well, I'm not taking Kawhi, I'm not taking Davis, I'm not taking Paul George, I'm not taking Kyrie, I'm not taking LeBron, I'm not taking any of these guys. And then I'm not taking, but I'm not taking players from tanking teams, I'm not taking players from the teams that are really good, they're going to rest their guys. And in the end, you just draft a whole team full of Sacramento Kings. Like, <laughs> it's like, because they're the only team that's fighting for, for their life in the playoffs, yet they actually tanked and sat guys down the stretch in April last season anyway. Yep. So... Like what do you, what do you do? At some point, you've got to m- mitigate your risk. You might take one of them, but then you don't go. All right, I'll take Davis in round two, Ka- Kawhi round three, Zion round four. Like you don't do that. But I think taking one of those guys is is okay because the the they're going in the second round because they're good, right? And they've got first round upside. It's about mitigating it with some of your other picks and not being. Like, you can't just be... I don't think you can be scared the whole time of, like, oh, what if, what if. I got nothing to add to that. Nailed it. Uh, He is the great Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, at RedRock underscore B-Ball on Twitter. And every year I say I'm going to do a better job of getting more uh, visits in the middle of the season, and every year I run out of time. But this time, I don't know. I'm going to try again. I'm so bad at this. Josh, thank you so much, dude, for coming on. No worries, Danny. You know, I realized I forgot to mention Basketball Monster. That was dumb of me. Uh, I talked about Locked On Fantasy Basketball. I talked about his Twitter handle, and I forgot to mention Basketball Monster. Josh, of course, over with BBM. Doing great work over there. That site, I use that site a lot. If you guys don't use Basketball Monster, you should consider it. Uh, I, I Their player rank page, you can do a whole lot of stuff there. Very, very cool. That's a free tool, by the way. Uh, So thank you to Josh, as always, for insight on players, on strategy. I love it, man. This is a good time of year. It's a really good time of year. But we are all, all a little bit tired. I've talked to a bunch of analysts. Pretty much everybody that's come on the pod has been kind enough to just sort of sit and chat with me for a minute or two when we're off air. You know, catch up a little bit. I do such a bad job of getting people on this show once the season starts that this is a time of year where not only do we get to talk some fantasy sports, but I also get to catch up with these guys a little bit. Like, talking to Matt earlier uh, last week, you know, he's a year into having a kid. Adam Stock, who we talked to earlier this week, just had a kid a couple months ago. I know Josh, his, uh, his progeny, older... So there's like this hierarchy of how old uh, people's kids are who can talk to the other analysts as their kids grow and be like, oh, this is like what you're about to go through. (laughs) And then the rest of us are like, I'm hearing about newborns and I'm going, yeah, yeah, not glad I'm not doing that again. Fantasy analysts just popping out babies these days. So, yes, again, thank you to Josh Lloyd at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Go check him out immediately. Probably already have, but just in case you haven't, that's where you can find him. Um, there was a Brewski 150 update today, and it's also now available in draft guide only packages. I forgot that's what I wanted to talk about in the middle of the show, and then I, I uh, just mentioned that the B150 was rumbling. Uh, draft guide only buyers got access to the B150 today. 
So uh, if you don't want the season-long subscription, today's the day to do that. Draft Guide is $20.99 over at the website, sportsethos.com. And that now does indeed have access to the updated today B-150. In addition, I had some questions about other stuff that are that's floating around in the draft guide. We've talked about auction ranks, uh, points league ranks. We have real salary ranks in the draft guide this year. That's new this season for the first time. Uh, dynasty preseason reactions. We got out-of-position stats for guards, bigs, wings, all that stuff. Eight-cat mock review, nine-cat mock review, points league mock review, three ADP reports, busts, sleepers, Breakout candidates, high mileage report. It is a ridiculous laundry list of stuff. So there's all kinds of things that you can hang out uh, and read in your draft guide as well. That's all over at sportsethos.com. So please do check that out post haste. Again, coming up on tomorrow's show, the big dog, Aaron Bruschi, back to talk us through a little bit of the B150 updates, what he's been able to pull away from the preseason and his big drafts coming up. Uh, we'll talk some fantasy strategy as well. That'll be our Friday show. We might be rolling live. Stay tuned to that. That would be, we'd post about that on Twitter and on YouTube as well. Uh, please do follow me on social media. I am at Dan Bespris. And please, I really haven't bothered you guys much for this yet. If you have an opportunity to drop a five-star review on the pod, uh, particularly over on iTunes, come on, help a man out over here. But also, just have a great Thursday. Thanks again to Josh. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So long, everybody.